Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. And right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for just $1. Go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer, the greatest tag team wrestler of all time, Bully Ray and I talk all about WrestleMania 36, night one, and of course, night number two. We get into the main event from WrestleMania 36, Drew McIntyre and Brock Lesnar, the feel of the match. Was it too quick, and did you love the ending. We'll get into that. We also get into The Undertaker as well. I mean, my God, even at his age, he is still stealing the show. And he definitely did that in night number one of what we saw at WrestleMania 36. We get into what I thought was the best match of WrestleMania 36, and that's Charlotte and Rhea Ripley. And what a great ending and a story that is just starting when you look at NXT. And then we get into the Firefly Funhouse. That's what everyone seems to be talking about. And I think we're going to get a positive take, not only from Bully, but I think you need to listen to me if you didn't understand it. All that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. Two very strong, very good, and after last night, very, very interesting nights of WrestleMania. Uh, before I get into anything, and we're, and we're gonna we're gonna grip it and rip it today. We're getting into everything. What did you think about Tommy's takes on night two? I I agree. Um, I don't know if I would give it as bad a grade. Just to recap, he gave night number one a B plus, and he gave night number two a C minus. I don't think I would give it as low a grade as a C minus, though I do. I did prefer night number one over night number two. Um, you know, I, I think he was kind of, you know, for for Tommy, a little more critical than he usually is. As you know, bully, Tommy's a lot of rainbows and 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 uh, and unicorns. I could tell he was disappointed in night number two. Probably his two things that he was disappointed in the most was the last man standing match and especially the main event between Drew and Brock, where I do agree with Tommy. It felt like that match was rushed. You know, you you slapped me in the face verbally yesterday when I talked about the start and said how the tags, the, those, those ladies had a tough start. And you're like, LaGreca. Idiot! This was pre-taped. They pieced this together. That wasn't that they may have. That may have been the last match they taped during this whole thing. I I do agree with Tommy, and I want to get your take, boy. Did you feel like the last match? Did it feel rushed to you? That main event last night. How could the match have possibly? Let's take away the word feel. How could the match have possibly been rushed? What about that match could have possibly been much rushed? Do you think that they were taping WrestleMania and all of a sudden uh, the, the governor of Florida puts in the curfew and they only had 10 minutes left to get the match in? You feel like that it was rushed like that? How no. could that match possibly be rushed? How did Brock Lesnar, the guy that gets anything and everything that he wants, how does Drew McIntyre, Vince McMahon's golden goose since 2012, how did these guys, of all the people in the company, get rushed? I think rushed is the wrong word. I think the match being rushed is the wrong word. There wasn't any time. They only put in four and a half minutes. That's what the mind-boggling part was to me. So after you hear me say that, before I go any farther, 
Do you think it was rushed? Or do you think that they just didn't put it in enough time? Well, I think, you know, and you said to take the word feel out. I, I can't because that's how it felt. It felt like, man, like let's get let's get this over with. Come on, let's let's make let's make it quick. Like almost like they were, because it, it did feel when I was watching that match. It's like, man, they're they're going through everything and they're doing it in record time, and there was no reason for it. Because you're right, because it goes back to what we said after night number one. This was pre-taped. This was pieced together. This is your main event match at, at an extremely important WrestleMania 36. And you're right. That match last night was four minutes and 35 seconds. So your two, your Universal Championship match and your WWE Championship match, Bully, added up to six minutes and 45 seconds. When you have the one championship match, and that I'm and we agree. I had no problems with the time in that match. That's what Goldberg and Braun Strowman should have been. I felt we deserved, like you said, there should have been more. Give us more of what we got in that main event last night. What you got from Brock last night was a typical match when Brock faces a big guy. It's we're going to hit each other with our biggest artillery because that's the only thing that's going to matter. And we're cutting out all of the stuff that would get absolutely no reaction and fans probably saw in every other match throughout the night. So it's going to be F5s, Claymores, German suplexes. We're just going to, you know, just bombard the match with those moves and we're going to we're going to get a quick finish but i don't think that that's what fans wanted to see last night and nobody is a bigger brock lesnar supporter than me i have been flying the flag for brock on this show since day one why because i was the very first person to get with to get to work with brock lesnar i know who how smart brock lesnar is i know what kind of performer brock lesnar is blah 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 i could tell you how great brock lesnar is all morning long and i've spent a lot of time on it in the past last night Listen, was the four and a half minutes good? Sure, great, yeah, it was. But I had seen that before. I had seen the formula work with Goldberg. I had seen the Brock, you know, uh, you know, just you know, dis- destroy everything, you know, type of psychology before. Last night with Drew, I was hoping for a little bit more. And if Heyman was standing here right now, I could hear him in the background going, why? Why should it have been any different? Why would you have wanted more? Why? Because this moment for Drew should have had a little bit more depth. Plus... What we got from Goldberg and Braun. I, just like you said, what did we get? A total of six and a half minutes in the WWE you know, cha- Championship and the Universal Championship? Because we weren't allowed to get that much from Braun and Goldberg, because less is more with those two guys in that type of match, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more with Drew and Brock. Did I need to see 10 to 12 minutes? No. But if I would have got seven or eight, I'm just asking for another three minutes minutes in there just with just with something a little outside of the box i don't know what that maybe a Heyman bump you know just something different something that made me go whoa and blow me away because drew winning okay yeah great drew won we're all happy awesome but it didn't it didn't seem like it had a lot of depth it was it was over just as quickly as it got started you couldn't put your you couldn't wrap your mind around it. It was like almost as you started to settle in, it was over. And not only was the match over, WrestleMania is over. So you're sitting through the last man standing match, you know, 35 minutes. They took you on a long epic journey during that match. And then you have the match that I think most people were really looking forward to the most, which is Drew McIntyre and Brock Lesnar. That's your main event. You know, we talked about it, Bully. What should be the main event? And you were steadfast. You were like, the main event has got to be Drew McIntyre and Brock Lesnar. And you gave the list of all the right reasons why it should. And then you give us, you know, four and a half minutes. And and it didn't, nothing felt, I get it. We didn't have an audience. We didn't have a crowd. We know that. We didn't have it all weekend long. We haven't had it for a month now. But 
Nothing during that match made it feel like this is not only a championship match, but a WrestleMania match. You know, Paul Heyman wasn't Paul Heyman during that match. You know, Paul Heyman's not grabbing the microphone from the announcer. He wasn't really that vocal outside of the ring. You didn't get the the major facial expressions from Paul Heyman that you usually get in these situations. And it was almost like, all right, it was a formula. F5, 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 kick out, kick out, kick out. Claymore, kick out, Claymore, kick out, Claymore, pin. One, two, three. That it, it, it seemed very formulaic. It seemed very quick. And I think the biggest words you use to describe it is depth. There was no depth in that match at all. This was Drew's moment. There should have been a lot of depth. You should have been able to let that all sink in. And it went match, pin, finish, holding up the title belt, sign off. It was it was went way too fast, and you couldn't wrap your mind around it. So now we have to go back to yesterday and take something that I said then and apply it to today. We talked about how Alexa and Nikki Cross versus the Kabuki Warriors could have been filmed last, right? Mm -hmm. What if Brock versus Drew was filmed first? Let's take away every single match from that WrestleMania card. Drew versus Brock. Four and a half minutes in what I like to call now a Brock special. Is that the right way to go, yes or no? Let's forget about every other match. Let's just isolate that match. Is the psychology of I'm going to throw all of my biggest bombs at you, you're going to throw all of your biggest bombs at me, and we're going to get over this quick. A la... Thomas, Tommy Hearns versus Marvin Hagler. If you throw that psychology at it, is it the right match to do? Yeah, you know, you know, like you said, you said it uh, during the course of the week. You know, you're probably not going to get a hell of a lot more than five minutes. You know, so it was a like what 30, 40 seconds shy of that. So yeah, the psychology behind it, I guess you would have to say yes. So then, so then the psychology of the match was on point because we've seen that psychology from Brock before, especially with, with Goldberg, okay? We're looking at it from a different point of view because the match was on last, and we're hoping that we're getting this grandiose WWE championship match with this guy, Drew, who we are begging to see win. We're so emotionally invested in Drew from what he's done on Raw, from uh, all of the fun stuff that he's done, uh, you know, outside of the box wise, like on the bump or anything like that. Plus all of, you know, the, the Drew, the, the, the special on the, on the network. So we're begging for something more and we didn't get it. But what if this was filmed first and they gave us everything that they were supposed to give us? Okay? So now what if this was live? If this what if last night was live, would we be complaining? I don't want to say complaining because I'm not complaining. I'm just being critical. I understand. And I'm being critical of a guy that I'm normally never this critical over. Okay? Would we have been uh, uh, as critical? If that was in front of 80,000 people. Probably not because it would have been a feel-good moment. They would have let that moment breathe a little bit while he was standing on that turnbuckle with the belt above his head. And the crowd reactions with those kickouts of the F5s and the Claymores, the crowd would have probably made that match. And you would probably be on the air right now, the Monday after WrestleMania, saying, you know what, not the greatest match technically, but the crowd made that match last night, and that's why that was a WrestleMania moment. So to answer your question, Yes, we would be looking at that match differently if it was in front of 80,000 fans. You see, one of Brock's biggest strengths is he knows how to cut out every ounce of fat from a match. He knows how to cut out everything and anything that will not matter and that people will not remember. And he's very smart in this. If they're not going to remember it, why even do it? So when you look at Drew and when you look at Brock, what are they going to remember? F5s, Germans, and Claymores. And that's it. So that's what he goes with. He Brock is a master of going with all killer and no filler. Last night, I think we would have just liked to have seen a tiny bit more killer. 
just a little bit more. I don't know. Maybe that was another two F5s and another two Claymores. It just felt entirely too short. If Heyman was with me right now, the argument would be at the top of our lungs, punching each other in the face because he would be screaming, why, why, why did you need more? Why did, you know, it was perfect. This is exactly what it, it should have been. And I would say to him, okay, if it was perfect and it was exactly what it should have been, why did you seem so not Paul Heyman last night? Just like you said, Dave, that didn't seem like Paul, did it? No, it didn't. From the beginning of him grabbing the mic from the announcer to his facial expression when the match was over. Bully, I mean, there wasn't shock. There wasn't awe. There wasn't disappointment. There was nothing. on. Now, maybe that's, maybe that's the story. I don't know. But there was no expression on Paul Heyman's face when that match ended last night. Serious XM's got a new podcast series getting you ready for the upcoming NFL Draft. With the first pick. Hosted by NFL Radio's Bruce Murray. Each episode focuses on a specific position and features in-depth analysis and interviews with top prospects. Right now, you can check out our wide receiver episode, which showcases conversations with Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb, Henry Ruggs, and more. New episodes drop every Monday leading up to the NFL Draft. Just download the Serious XM app, search NFL Draft Previews, and enjoy. A WrestleMania 36 that we're probably going to remember for a lifetime, for decades and decades, and maybe even a little asterisk next to WrestleMania 36 because two nights, which who knows if we're ever going to get that again, and obviously because of the circumstances that are going on in the world and the fact that for the first time ever, and, and hopefully, please, dear God, the last time that we see a WrestleMania in front of no crowd, and speaking of no crowd bully, one last question when it comes to Drew McIntyre and Brock Lesnar. Knowing how that show played out, and I think, you know what, bully, you convinced me, and you always do. I, I almost could guarantee that that was probably one of the first matches that they taped when they were putting WrestleMania 36 together. Knowing what we know now and seeing how that show played out, would you have still put Brock and Drew as the last match of night number two of WrestleMania 36. 1,000%. You mean, you mean without the crowd or if there was a crowd? No, without, with the way that things were now. And you're, you're piecing the puzzle together. Yes. Would you, have put, would you have put it at the end of night number two? You have to. And there's only one reason why you have to. It's because in night number one, you decided to put your universal championship smack dab in the middle of the card. You can't put your universal championship in the smack dab middle of the card night one and your WWE championship in the smack dab middle of the card. Especially, especially with Brock Lesnar as your champion. Brock Lesnar is the premier world heavyweight champion in the WWE. Bill Goldberg was a placeholder for Roman Reigns. We got hit with the Black Plague, Roman had to sit on the sidelines because he was smart, he doesn't want to get sick, and they, and they plugged in Braun, and they did what they had to do. That's why you can throw it in the middle of the show. Plus, if you would have put Braun versus Goldberg on last, nobody was following Taker on night one. And I don't think anybody followed Taker and AJ, period. And we're going to get into it. I'm sure a lot of people are going to make an argument for Fiend and Cena, but... Uh, to me, it was Taker and AJ that was the most memorable thing from WrestleMania this year. So, yes, Brock and Drew, no matter what, should have been on last. And and you can it, that, that's going to probably be an argument that goes on forever because of the circumstances. I probably would have switched it if it was me. I probably would have had uh, Brock and Drew end night number one and have Undertaker and AJ end night number two because most likely – the lasting impression of the entire weekend is going to be The Undertaker and AJ Styles for me. It's not about the lasting memory for right now. It's about the lasting memory moving on. Yes, we're not going to forget about Taker and AJ. And the last person that we should be talking about is it shouldn't be Taker. We need to be talking about Drew. What do the people remember? They remember the last thing that they saw. And the last thing that they saw was Drew McIntyre standing on those ropes, holding up the, uh, the, uh, uh, the WWE championship. That's what you want the people to remember. That's what we built this for. That's why Brock built the rumble the way Brock built the rumble. We, he hadn't, we, nobody had any idea that this black plague bullshit was going to hit us. That's why he, everything was designed for Drew. 
Every, every, th- this entire plan, this four and a half minute match, the the, the rumble, the moment, everything was designed for Drew. And if we would have had eighty thousand people there last night, that four and a half minutes wouldn't have, wouldn't have mattered because it would have been boom, 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 fire guns, fire guns, fire big guns over, and people would have been going ballistic. Because they would have got what they wanted. They would have got the guy that they wanted to win-win, not the guy that they wanted to lose-lose. And that's why it felt like when you watch WrestleMania, you know, obviously they changed the Undertaker and AJ Styles. What we saw at the end of night number one, I'm sure, was not what we were going to see if they were in the stadium in Tampa. You know, that last man standing match between Edge and Randy Orton, obviously that changed because of the circumstances. And you saw a completely different match than you would have that was probably planned a month ago, knowing that it was going to be in a stadium in Tampa. When it came to to Brock and Drew, that was the match you were going to see in the stadium in Tampa. I don't think they redid anything. You were probably going to get, you know, just under a five-minute match. You would have played the hits. You would have got the Claymores. You would have got the F5s. And you would have had Drew McIntyre standing on that turnbuckle with 80,000 fans going nuts. So when you look at the show, some of the, a lot of the, 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 the matches that stood out changed. But that one match that was the main event that ended night number two, which would have ended WrestleMania if the circumstances were different, was not changed. Great. Boom. Let's move on. All right. So... Really quick, because obviously, Bully, not everybody could have heard us on Saturday. I want to go back to night number one and the way that that ended with The Undertaker and AJ Styles. If anything can be learned about The Undertaker or anything can be learned from what's going on in that world is that the WWE production put on something that you can use from here moving forward down the road, especially with The Undertaker. I don't know if you watched it or not, but they had that first look of what that Undertaker series is going to look like. I mean, I mean, chills. I, I, I cannot, there's probably nothing ever in the history of TV that I can't anticipate more than that series that they're going to present on The Undertaker. I thought they presented The Undertaker in a phenomenal way. Great cliffhanger ending to end night, up, night number one and a great positive way to end the first night of WrestleMania 36. What were your thoughts? I saw the 20-minute clip or however long it was, and I absolutely loved it. Like you said, I was so intrigued. The WWE Network and WWE Studios are doing stuff lately that is absolutely mind-blowing. It's off the charts. The Taker stuff, the Edge stuff, all of their chronicles or their, you know, following people for 24 hours or, or the backstories. This is where storytelling at its finest comes in. I'm telling you, The Undertaker is reborn. Not just from night one, but after you saw that, after you saw this um, th- th- this sneak peek mm-hmm. last night on the WWE Network, this 20 minutes, you're getting to see into the world and the life of Mark Calloway, right? Yep. We've never seen this before, and it makes it different, and it makes it intriguing, and it makes it special, and now we have a different emotional connection to him. Last night, when I'm hearing Michelle McCool talk about how he's in pain every day, boom, I'm especially me, because I was in the company with the guy, I've seen what the guy has went through, I wrestled the guy, yada, yada, yada. So now I'm I'm able to attach to it because I can relate to it. So when you see that, that's what I mean by reborn. The way they shot his match, at, at, you know, on night one. Wow. We could do that for another five years. Seeing this, this glimpse into his real life story over, over the past three years or so, there is a different emotional investment in The Undertaker right now. And we're going to be able to get mileage out of this. Remember when I told you or I suggested to you that they should go into Brock's diverticulitis and how Brock almost died? If you ever wanted to get a different kind of emotional investment in Brock, if you ever wanted next level emotional investment in Brock, go with the very real life trials and tribulations of Brock Lesnar and his family? 
Remember that? Yep, you did. You that, said it. That's exactly what you got last night in the first 20 minutes of that Undertaker special. You got the trials and tribulations of Mark Calloway and what his wife was going through watching him in so much pain. And you have a different opinion of him. Not uh, You have a, a more higher opinion of him. You have a much more a bigger respect for him, and you're emotionally connected to him on a different level. And it's 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 there's so much to get into with the Undertaker and 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 we have to get into WrestleMania 36 and the other matches. But I was so enthralled by that 20 minutes of that sneak peek because just like pro wrestling, you know, we, we didn't know the world. When we when we fell in love with pro wrestling, bully, we didn't know the ins and outs. What went behind that curtain, like with Oz, you know. And then at at, at some point they peeled back the curtain, and now we see the inner workings. And now that's what our world is. That's what this show is we talk about what's going on in the ring but also what's going on behind the scenes now they've peeled back the curtain when it comes to the undertaker the undertaker never spoke we never knew the man mark alloway you did bully because you worked with them but the fans didn't know now what this special is going to do they're going to peel back that curtain cats out of the bag and i love the word that you used and it's such a positive word. And it's something that's going to carry us when it comes to The Undertaker. You use the word reborn. Man, what, what a strong word, Bully. Because this isn't the end. This is a rebirth of The Undertaker. Because we never looked at him this way before. So now we're going to see the human side. That's what that was in night number one. That's the one positive that you could take from WrestleMania 36 when it's all said and done. And this is going to be a WrestleMania that people are probably going to avoid. All right? Because of all the circumstances surrounding it. You are now going to look at that match. And I guarantee you, you're going to watch it again and again and again. Because this was the start of something new with The Undertaker. This is where the the new stage of his career begins. Which is the end. I mean, we are now seeing the end of The Undertaker. But I love the word that you use. And that is reborn. After the match with, with AJ on night one. And after this last ride chronicle. That we, that we see on Taker, you are going to have next level emotional investment in Mark Calloway. You are going to have emotional investment that you probably didn't think was possible because you're an, if you're an Undertaker fan, you already are over the moon for him in the first place, like you. But now, because you're going to get a different side of him, you're going to get a story that you never knew, you're going to hear of a broken down man who's in so much pain that he can only work once a year now when you get him once a year the appreciation you'll have for this man will be to the umpteenth degree how could i love the undertaker anymore you'll see your home for all things combat sports is Sirius XM Fight Nation. Start your day with Hall of Fame Pro Wrestling Talk on Busted Open. Respect these men and women that build the business. Then, the Barack Show keeps you up to date on all things boxing. Boxing is the theater of the unexpected. And MMA guru, Luke Thomas, has you covered for mixed martial arts. Joe Rogan is the most important influencer in all of MMA. The fight game broken down like nowhere else. Only on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. And let's get into night number two last night, Bully. And what a way to start our second hour with what was a hot start to night number two at WrestleMania 36, and that's Rhea Ripley and Charlotte. I thought for, you know, obviously The Undertaker and AJ, that was that was cinema. That was a, a mini movie. You know, we'll get into the Cena and Bray Wyatt and the Firefly Funhouse, but I think inside the ring, in between those ropes, I think that was the best match at WrestleMania 36. What did you think? Bravo to Rhea Ripley. Man, did she step up. Man, did I enjoy that match. And I, I enjoyed it for the in-between. Quote, unquote, the in-between. The little things that those two women did. The physicality of that match. Charlotte and Rhea are some stout women. They are athletic. They are physical and they were throwing some shots at one another. Punches, slaps, stuff was landing. Live rounds were being thrown. 
in the best interest of the match. And here's what I mean by the in-between. During the match, when one woman would be going for a move on another woman or a hold or any offense, you didn't see the other just allow it to happen. There was a fighting back. There was a trying to not let something happen. There was a a, a kick, a punch. Too often in wrestling, because we know what's coming next, we just give the hold or the move or the spot to to the guy or gal, as opposed to making them earn the spot, the move, or the hold. Last night, Charlotte and Rhea made each other earn everything that they got. Rhea did a great job of doing little, just little things, like smacking Charlotte in the back of the head after a move or punching her, you know, just things that were out of the ordinary. And Charlotte was doing back. I felt like I was watching a fight within a wrestling match. And I, I, I can't pay it any more of a compliment. It was a good fight. It was a good wrestling match. I, I wasn't enthralled with the finish. Not because of Charlotte going over. I could care less who goes over. Okay? As long as you get over. And Rhea mm-hmm. got over. My problem was, I would have liked to have seen Charlotte go over on Rhea. Kind of like Becky went over on Shayna. Last night... Rhea tapping, I don't know why we needed, why did Rhea need to tap? For, for, for what reason did we need to see young Rhea, who was on her way, tap out? I mean, does Charlotte really need somebody tapping to the figure eight? I would have much rather have seen Rhea have Charlotte completely compromised, and then the veteran is able to do something to get the one, two, three. That's my take. I, I didn't. It didn't bother me, but I got to be honest because the whole story. And first of all, and we'll get into it because you're, everything you said is 100 percent correct. That felt like you're watching a real fight. Um, but you know, the whole story was her. Charlotte was going after that knee, going after that leg, and and Rhea did a wonderful job of selling the shit out of that too. So you know, when she put that figure eight on, it was. It didn't bother me, and I know it. I know it bothered a lot of people, and I'm glad you said that it didn't bother you that Rhea lost because I thought that was the right decision. But I want to go back to the fight because you mentioned on our show yesterday when we're doing our pre-show for night number two when it, in regards to Edge and Orton that you wanted to see almost like what you saw with They Live that parking parking lot brawl between you know uh, the two actors Roddy Piper and the other actor like which is one of the best fight scenes of all time that's two uh, days in a row we forgot the poor guy's name <laughs> his last name is David I know his Keith last David name is Keith David, David. Keith, thank you Keith David and Roddy Piper um that's what that match felt like to me because it, because it, it was all reactionary. And the one thing where I popped during that match is where, like, Charlotte gave Rhea a little bit of a shove. And Rhea pushed her almost like, like, fuck you. Like, who do you think you're pushing? Like, pushed her right back and had that look like, fuck you. Like, I, I was like, oh, yeah, that, that, that really grabbed me. Because, like you said, it's reactionary because that – would ex- would exactly happen if you were in a real life fight with somebody or if you were in a wrestling match with somebody you hated but at the same time in the back of your mind respected that's what they were able to do last night to me that was by far the best match of the weekend too many times uh, I'll watch a match and I'll and I'll be like wow you gave yourself to the other person entirely too easily. Where was the fight? More importantly, where was the struggle? Last night, I felt that there was a struggle between Rhea and Charlotte, and not struggle in a good way, uh, and I'm sorry, not struggle in a bad way as they were struggling to work with one another, struggle in a good way as in struggling to get my hold on, struggling to get this move, struggling to apply this, you know, whatever. There was always some kind of pushback some kind of fight from both women and I thought they kicked off night two great one of the 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 better matches of Wrestlemania 
And both women looked phenomenal also. Their gear, their stature, their physicality, the look. I felt like, I, you know, I know, uh, uh, I felt like I was watching two Amazon warriors. You know, just tall, impressive women, tall, impressive fighters, impressive warriors, just beating the shit out of one another. And they did a great job. And, you know, I, I, when we talked about this match going into the week, I said how I didn't think Rhea Ripley should win. I thought you could have like a Rocky story. Like, you know, she's the challenger. She works hard and she has that Rocky moment. And there was no reason for Rhea to win because if you look at it on paper, Charlotte's the better wrestler. And you know what? Charlotte won. But this was so great for Rhea. Like, to me, Rhea, on the grandest stage of all, had probably her best match. And you know that you're going to see great things from Rhea in the future because when you put your biggest challenge and you have your best performance, that's what Rhea Ripley did last night. She had her best performance on the biggest stage. So, and, you know, anybody complaining and say, uh, oh, you killed Rhea. Why would you do that? Rhea's dead. Are you shitting me? Rhea's bigger and better than she's ever been because of that match with Charlotte. I mean, it's WrestleMania for crying out loud. Rhea Ripley became a superstar last night at WrestleMania. I totally agree with everything you're saying. The most important thing is getting over, and Rhea got over. I just didn't think the finish needed to be as definitive. It, it's the most definitive of all finishes that you can do when you have somebody tapping out to your hold. That's it. Rhea gave up. End of story. I don't think that they needed to go that way. I think you could have told the story about the leg and then... Then, you know, Charlotte was going for the figure four, going for the figure eight. They could have come up with a creative way for, for, for Rhea to counter and have Charlotte dead to rights almost beat, but then Charlotte could have rolled through and got that quick one, two, three. I almost would have loved to have seen a scene at the end of the match, a moment at the end of the match where the one, two, three would have happened, but Rhea was actually back up on her feet first. Rhea standing on her feet with Charlotte down on the ground, holding the championship, looking up at Rhea. That would have been a hell of a moment in time, a hell of a picture to paint right there where the champion veteran is down on the ground, but the young girl is still standing tall in the middle of the, re in the ring despite the fact that she had lost. What you're telling me right there, the picture you're trying to paint right there is that young girl, that Rhea Ripley is got a future. Yeah. Yeah, she may have lost, but man, she's standing at the end of the fight. She was the last man standing. They could have painted the same picture with Rhea and Charlotte as they painted with Randy and, and Edge. Because that was an incredible picture they painted at the end. Because if you watch the last shot, Edge truly was the last man standing in the true definition of those three words. But yeah. good job by Charlotte and Rhea. And I want to get into that match. Obviously, we're going to get into that match in a big way. But it is interesting what now happens with Rhea and Charlotte because Charlotte's your NXT Women's Champion. Like, you talk about going back to your roots. This is her third reign as NXT Champion. So it's going to be interesting and obviously – Pro wrestling is, you know, you know, the last thing on a lot of people's minds with everything that's going on in the world. But, you know, we talked a lot about those Wednesday night wars and some of our best shows are on Thursdays after AEW and NXT. NXT just got a big boost Bully, because Charlotte Flair, who to me is the best women's wrestler right now, is now a part of NXT again. But they already had Charlotte show up on NXT, and it didn't exactly blow the ratings through the water. Hopefully, her as the NXT Women's Champion will bring some more eyes to the product. And I think that working against Rhea and Bianca Belair moving forward is going to be the ticket for the NXT Women's Division to garner more eyes.
Yeah, and I think that's now definitive. If you give me Bianca Belair, Charlotte, and Rhea Ripley on a regular basis on NXT, that Wednesday night war between AEW and NXT just got a little bit hotter. Speaking of hot, when we come back, Bully, you just alluded to it, and we got to dissect it in a big way because I think there was a lot of good, but some bad as well. That's that last man standing match between Edge and Randy Orton. IndyCar fans, this is Brick by Brick with AJ Allmendinger and Jack Aroot. We can maybe provide you with a little distraction. I'm just missing racing. The season will start, and they'll have to be ready right when it starts. And I think we're really going to see the drivers that are physically and mentally most strong through this time are going to come out firing. If it's a shorter schedule, the start of this season is going to be even more critical than usual. New episodes air Wednesdays at 6 Eastern on Dan Patrick Radio Channel 211 and anytime on demand with the SiriusXM app. Tip of the hat to everybody who was a part of those shows, uh, night number one and night number two. The roster did, gave, I get, you know, A plus for effort for everyone. You know, are there going to be things that could have been improved? Obviously, if there was 80,000 fans, that main event last night would have been completely different. But, Bully, I think we all need to give a little tip of the hat to everyone who performed night number one and night number two for WrestleMania 36. I've said it before on the show. I've said it on social media. Everybody in the WWE deserves a rounding uh, standing ovation from all the way to the top, Vince McMahon, to all the way to the bottom. I don't know who the bottom guy is, but whoever the bottom guy or gal is, you get a standing ovation also. Uh, You know who the bottom guy is? You know who the bottom guy is? Who's Who's the the bottom bottom guy guy in the WWE? Matt Camp? No. Lower. Big Dick Hurts? Dick Eagle. Dick Eagle. Big Dick Eagle. uh, (laughs) I said Big Dick Hurts? (laughs) (laughs) Big Dick Eagle. With all this quarantine, if you're with your significant other, that might be the truth. But it would be Dick Eagle at the bottom of the rung when it comes to the WWE. All right. Um, I think, for me, I can't see how anybody hated AJ and The Undertaker in that mini movie that they had for night number one. You got another one in night number two. And listen, a a lot of conflicting uh, opinions on social media. I absolutely loved the Firefly Funhouse last night, Bully. What did you think? Well, I'll just... Well, I'll just reiterate this morning what I said last night on social media. I don't know how or why I liked the Firefly Funhouse segment. I just know that I did and that I was entertained by it. But I have no idea what the frick it was. <laughs> I, I think I understand what it is. I forgot to swallow a handful of magic mushrooms before I watched it. Or maybe I should have did a hit of acid. Maybe last night would have been the perfect night to start sniffing glue again. I'm not sure. Because being straight-laced, I'm not... I. So let me see if I got this right, Dave, because you got it, obviously, right? Yeah. You understood it? Yep, I did. Okay. I mean, I mean, but you know what? It's like one of the, it's like Eraserhead, the movie Eraserhead. I think I got it, and then you find out the director had a completely different view of it, and it blew it all up. But I think I understand what happened last night. So was this a retrospective of John's career and all of the bad things that he had done or the negative parts of his career and like Bray Wyatt pointing a finger at John Cena of and how his career and him in general affected so many other people. And in a way, but I, I think it was more about the, the John Cena burials, you know, because like the, the story that was being told is that how Bray Wyatt's career, in effect, got buried after the loss at WrestleMania 30. So, you know, John Cena is all happy and smiles. He's he's the ambassador for the WWE. He's the good guy. And what what Bray Wyatt was showing him is that you're not such a good guy after all. You know, you're no different than the NWO back in WWE. WCW, you know, like how they buried everybody. You you buried everybody, John, in your career because you stepped on the back of necks to get where you were. That's to me. That was the story that was being told last night. Uh, now I understand it a little more. He was telling about the burials. Okay, so what about when they were in front of the old school cage? Like, who was that supposed to represent? Hogan and who? Well, that was that was uh, Hogan and Bundy from WrestleMania two. 
Oh, like, okay, you know, okay. You know, the Heenan family just like, just here, here's your next vic- victim, Hogan. Here's your next victim, Hogan. Here you go. You want King Kong Bundy to be at WrestleMania 2 in the cage? Here he is. We're just, you know, Bobby Heenan says, I'm just feeding him to you, Hogan, for you to give a gotcha. leg drop. Okay. One, two, three. Now, I this is my, I, but, but this is the beauty of the segment, Bully. That's my interpretation of what took place. But I'm sure there's other people that watched it that have a completely different interpretation interpretation i i it was almost like you know because bully let's face it the world we live in right now is very surreal like you know where we were a month ago and where we are right now is night and day like we're just we're trying to get through it and wrestlemania 36 had this very surreal feel about it and i think that was the perfect you know, cherry on top was that Firefly Funhouse because, it, you know, may, maybe you need a little bit of enhancement to get you through that segment. I love Eric. I didn't know if you saw Eric Bischoff tweeted out a video of his reaction. And he's like, wait a second. I got fired in October, but then I'm in one of the main events at WrestleMania 36. <laughs> yep. who, who knew? You know, like it was. It, and, and, and you saw Eric Bischoff as well. I. Um, I thought I thought it was very very entertaining. John Cena deserves an Oscar nomination for the performance he gave last night during the Firefly Funhouse. Uh, that's something just like the Undertaker and AJ Styles that wasn't a match, but was something that I will probably go back and watch a hundred more times. You got to give John credit for allowing everything to just be out there because a lot of shots were taken at him last night. Yeah, a lot of very, a lot of very real shots. So you know, you got to applaud John for his strength and allowing all of that dirty laundry to be, you know, aired and being able to take it on the chin, laugh at it, maybe agree with some of the stuff, and uh, make that segment what it was last night. I didn't understand it at first. I was perplexed. Even Road Dog chimed in on social media. He's like, I'm like you, bro. I don't know why I like it, you know, but I, but I did. But I got to go back and watch it again because I didn't understand it. Um, and, and the first thing that came to mind was like when you were watching Pulp Fiction and they stuck the plunger in Uma Thurman's, you know, chest and they shot her up with the, uh, with the uh, adrenaline and, and that, uh, what was it? What's her name? What's, her, what's his name's uh, sister? What's the girl's name over there with the blue hair? Oh, thing uh, over there? Uh, uh, yeah, the, Arquette, uh, the Arquette okay, chick. She goes, yeah, David Arquette's she goes, sister. She's like, that was trippy. And that's what I felt like after watching that say. I was like, man, that was trippy. But you know what? You know why I liked it? Because it was different. Because it was so out there. Because it was so against the grain. I love things that are completely out of nowhere. That's why I loved AJ and Taker. That's why I really like the Bray stuff. I like, and that's why Ultimate Deletion or Final Deletion, all of these things that still happen within the confines of sports entertainment, but kind of take us in a different direction, a different branch of the giant willow tree that is pro wrestling. I love the part in the in the Firefly Funhouse where. You know, Bray Wyatt is talking about all of John Cena's sins and the burials and everything. So he gives him the opportunity to ask for forgiveness. And he gives him the microphone and he says, John, the floor is yours. And then John Cena's got the whole gimmick, the rapper gimmick, and he starts rapping. And and he says it like everything I'm saying is a rhyme, like all of it is rhymes. And Bray Wyatt's just in the corner, you know, listening to John Cena. And if you caught on it... All those rhymes were lines before WrestleMania matches and pay-per-view matches that John Cena had. Burials that he gave in those final promos before those matches. And then Bray Wyatt, and they show Bray Wyatt, and he's almost got a tear in his eye. Because John Cena just can't help himself. Even I'm giving him the microphone to ask for forgiveness, and he's still trying to bury everybody with his with his promo. I'm like, this is fucking genius. Like, whoever came up with this deserves a this was a that what that may have been one of the like if I had to make a list of top top ten WWE segments that would be on the list. It was pure genius last night. Um, unbelievable how good that segment was. When you, when you just uh, you just painted a great picture for me, you made me understand it a lot better. What was going on about all of the lines from the past WrestleManias, the burials going into it? I had a hard time really understanding it because I was trying 
so hard to understand that I think I got into my own head last night, but you're you're helping me to, you know, fully, fully get it. I was popping huge for the Vince puppet and all of the little things that the Vince puppet was saying. I know this was such a tiny little thing, but when the Vince puppet said, tell him to get his hands up, tell him to get his hands up. Dave, you don't know what it's like to be in a match in the WWE, whether that's on Monday Night Raw or SmackDown, or a pay-per-view, to be in front of 20,000 people, to be in the midst of a fight, a match, you're sweating, you're thinking, blah, blah, you have a million things going on in your head, and somebody's pounding on you in the corner, and the referee's going, Vince said, get your hands up. (laughs) (laughs) What the f- Now? you're, you're, You're in the referee's ear telling the referee to tell me to get my hands up because it would constantly happen. Tell him to get his hands up. And then the referee would be like, oh, Bubba, Vincent, get your hands up. What the? And then, and then you, you throw your hands up out of nowhere. So that little line that probably got past everybody, the wrestlers who got that, and I'm trying to help you to understand what that line meant. You're in the midst of battle. Thousands of people in the arena. Millions of watching at home. There's, there's the Undertaker punching you in the face in the corner. And the referee's going, oh, Bubba, Vince said, get your hands up. <laughs> like, well, man. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, like, with the puppet was, like, you know, what we heard from, you know, John Moxley in that interview with Chris Jericho is about, it's such good shit. And then here the, the, the puppet say, this is such good shit. Like, it was like, wow, you know, it was amazing. And this is why I don't think that Vince was pissed off about those segments on AEW. Because they took as many shots as Vince last night in that segment as AEW has taken at them. And Vince allowed it to happen and he's taken it on the chin. Vince appreciates a good rib just as much as the next guy. So, listen, it was it was entertaining. It was different. And people will remember it forever. I will say this. On social media, split right down the middle. It's you want to talk? You want to talk about lo- loving something or hating something? I saw, I saw love to the umpteenth degree and hate to the umpteenth degree last night on social media. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed. Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.